0: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Hello folks, you're very welcome to another episode of The Grand Isle History on Celtic Fanzine TV and on audio also on the Celtic Soul Podcast. Before we kick off, if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please hit the subscribe and notification button so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing, you might like to hit the like button too. And I'd like to say special thanks to Nave Park Celtic Supporters Club in Dublin for the continued support of both the podcasts, Salik Fanzine TV and indeed the Fanzine, and for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And if you're in Dublin... Pop into the Badass Café if you want to watch a match with the lads when they're not on the big bus on the way to Glasgow. And folks, on the show today, I'm joined by author and retro fanzine editor of The Shamrock, Paul McQuaid. And um, if you enjoy this conversation, check out my conversation with Paul. We had a two-parter on the Celtic Soul podcast during lockdown when we did speak about the subject of today also. And that's available across all the platforms on the podcast, you can get them all at CelticFansIn. Oh, sorry. You can get them all at CelticFansIn.com as well, and on Celtic TV. Paul joins me today to talk about his new book, Celtic Daft: The Johnny Doyle Story, and to, give, and to give us an insight into the life and career of Johnny, who lived the dream of every diehard Celtic fan when he pulled on the famous green and white hoops of Celtic. Paul McQuaid, you're very welcome back onto the podcast, and firstly, congratulations on the book. I've really enjoyed reading it, and I'm going to give it a bit of a plug. Here it is, folks. Brilliant cover, brilliant book, and uh, I read it on my holidays. Uh, I'm still a little bit to go, Paul, but absolutely brilliant. Really loved it. Um, Written from the heart, I think, and um, you'd know it was written by a fan, about a fan, um, because you get that that lovely feel when you read the book. Um, But look, he was... He was a player that pulled on the famous green and white hoops, as I said, a fan. Um, so before we, uh, I suppose, kick off, I just want to say I am not blowing smoke up your ass, Paul. Um, but it is it is really good. It's a fantastic read. But you, can you give the, the viewers and the listeners a quick insight into yourself and your contribution to Celtic fandom outside the book?
2: Okay, yeah, no problem, Andrew. Um, yeah, this is the, this is the fourth book I've done now. Um, I've had a connection with Johnny Doyle going back a a few years. Um, Johnny died on what was my 11th birthday. Um, and then over time, I got involved with a couple of supporters' organisations, um, involved with a Johnny Doyle banner. That was about 15 years ago, probably longer. Uh, and a booklet as well. Got to meet the family. So I met his daughter, Joanna. I met his son, Jason, and his sister, Anne-Marie. Um, and then in the last four or five years, um, I launched the the Shamrock. So that's focusing, uh, a magazine focusing on Celtic history. Um and then did a couple of books, starting with the Invincible Season and then the Coronation Cup. Um, and then probably two and a half, three years ago, um, Jana mentioned to, um, Brendan, my pal Brendan Sweeney, that she was looking to see if somebody would write a book and Brendan had recommended me. Um, and then we just started talking about it from there. And then from, from agreeing to do it, it probably took about just over two years, start to finish. Um, but the big advantage was I had access to the Doyle family's archive um, large number of scrapbooks photo albums huge number of newspaper clippings as well Um, and from that, principally from that um, I was able to put together the story from there you know Um, but Joanna it's made it clear that what she was looking for was to get an understanding of um, the relationship between her dad and the Celtic support and how the Celtic support still clung on to him after all these years, it's 40 years uh, this year since he passed away, Um, and just to try and get to the heart of what that relationship was like and why it survived for so long as well so she wanted as much fan input as was really possible you know um so that was one of the key requirements if you like um and that was that was pretty straightforward because um because of the connection that johnny had with so many individual Celtic fans. It was really just about trying to make contact, get those memories uh, written down from people um, and dozens and dozens of people were sharing them um, within a matter of a few weeks, you know. Um, So, yeah, really getting the best of them, putting the stories together, uh, matching up with his life story, uh, his family story as well. Um, And um, it was a joy because there's so many amazing stories about Johnny Doyle. A lot of them, you really need to pinch yourself to make sure that they're true, you know. Um, In many respects, a controversial figure, certainly by today's standards, less so in the 1970s. Um, So it was fascinating. It was hugely enjoyable. It was a lot of work, but it was hugely enjoyable. Things about his life, his early life in View Park. His time at United was really interesting. And then his, his time at Celtic was an absolute roller coaster. Incredible highs and lows, you know. In the uh, the six years he was a Celtic player. Underlining all of that was a guy who was a Celtic fan pretty much from birth. His father was a massive Celtic fan. The Doyles are a huge Celtic family in View Park as well. Um, So he was always a supporter. And that's something that everybody knew about Johnny Doyle when he played for air. He always talked about Celtic in interviews, any chance he got. And um, even on the pitch, it was always quite clear. Uh, he always, his heart was always at Celtic part.
1: Two years, it's its a long time um, when you're getting on with your life. I suppose the lockdown helped a little, did it?
2: It did actually it did, it made a, a few things a little bit harder in terms of accessing the newspaper libraries um, but there's a lot of newspapers online now, you know, a lot of services that you can access. Um, also, as well as all the family information, and they had, they've they got some great stuff, you know, letters from fans that they would kept, um, a lot of interviews that I couldn't find elsewhere, um, from magazines and newspapers. And um, Brendan, my pal Brendan, again, he gave me access to his um, Celtic View collection um, for the, the years of Johnny was a Celtic player. And that was tremendous because it took a long time to go through them, but it proved really worthwhile, you know, found out some, some real nuggets in there. Um, the best one I think was about a year after Johnny joined Celtic, uh, the View ran a wee piece, just a small piece about, um, the View Park Celtic supporters club and how when they started, um, around about 1968, I think it was January 68, um, their first ever, first ever game that they ran a bus to was a friendly against Newcastle United down in Newcastle and Johnny was on the bus that day Um so that was great finding out stuff like that you know and um, this is two years before he became a professional footballer um, but then there was lots of stories within the family information but also in interviews as well you know where he talked about his earliest um Celtic memories and how he had actually decided not to become a footballer because he was already a member of the supporters club, we'd already given him the subscriptions for the season and he was obviously watching at this point in time 65 to 69, probably the greatest Celtic team of all time, you know so he was loving it, so it took a lot to persuade him to to give that up and to actually give professional football a go
1: Yeah and if I, if I push forward here to the start of the book, but it's actually the last picture of, of Johnny. And I, th- mm. I think it sums him up because it's taken from, I'm just looking at the book here, it's taken from the Tranmere Hotel, Tranet in East London, on Saturday the 17th of October 1981. And it's a picture of Johnny with another fan, another two fans. Uh, one is the fan, Um, is a Zeggy Ingle. It's Zeke, Zeke, Zeke Engle. Apologies to Zeke, Zeke Engel. <laughs> and the other fan is, in fact, a fan who also got lucky on water jersey, and it's Tommy Bones. And it's a fantastic picture, but it's also very sad that it's the last picture of such a young yeah,
2: man, absolutely, such a young young man, yeah. 30 years old. So that picture was taken on the Saturday night. Johnny died on the Monday night in his house. Um, and that was them visiting the Haddington, uh, Musselburgh number one, I think it was, um, sports club out in the east, along the coast from Edinburgh on the east side. Um, Johnny, Tommy Burns and Bobby Lennox uh, were the players who attended the play of the year dance. And uh, it was actually Zeke's pal had the camera with him that night, you know, um, and you got a photo of Tommy and Johnny and Zeke and Tommy and Johnny with himself. And it was great. That was one of the things that was shared through the... Uh, with Joanna, we set up a Facebook page. I was told about seven or eight years ago because we used to run a website called JohnnyDowell.com and we kept it as a Facebook page. And so every, you know, every anniversary and then in between people, we would share things about him. And that was one of the things that I went back and rediscovered. And then I was looking at the dates as well and something that Zeke had say, And I thought, there's every likelihood that, that that would be the last photo that was taken of Johnny, you know, just two days before he died. Um, and there he is with one of his best friends, another absolute Celtic legend, Tommy Burns as well. And as you say, it's just a great photo. And it's um, it actually, in the end, it came as no surprise, you know, that because David Province said Johnny Doyle was out there every weekend with um, Celtic supporter dues, you know, supporters, nights, nice play the year, dances, functions. He, he loved it. And that's that's been backed up by what I've found as well. You know, that's, I think, the main reason why so many people remember Johnny is because they met him and he left such a firm impression on them, you know, by either just being a funny guy, telling them stories, spending time with them, giving them gifts, um, shorts, socks, after games and what have you. Um fan from Cobridge shared with me how it was actually Tom, Johnny and Tommy again came to their youth club and um, play of the year dance and he was messing around. It's a photo of Johnny with his uh, his mum and his aunt, all the women who were there cooking the food for them that night, cleaning up. Johnny helped him brush up at the end of the night, We have got photos of that, and he was just, you know, he was just such a uh, a lovely guy. That's the impression that so many people had of him because he spent his time, his free time, he gave it up, to spend in the company of other Celtic fans. And Tommy Burns, as we know, was very similar. Uh, they were more than happy to do that. Um, and that's, I think, where a lot of the, the Johnny Doyle legend and the continuing connection. Comes from there's so many Celtic fans have got stories like that.
1: Yeah, and for our younger uh, viewers and listeners, um, Celtic players used to turn up on a weekly basis at supporters' functions. Um I can't see it yeah. happening too much now. But th- in the book, yeah. it also says. I think it's it's Davy Hay says that he was going to Aberdeen, which is which is a long spin from Glasgow to attend a supporters' function. Johnny hadn't got a supporters' function on that weekend, and he went too. So
2: he 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 just that's right, that's right. he just loved it, didn't he? Yeah, he? yeah, absolutely, you know. He said he said that that's from the that was from the documentary that the Celtic TV did on the twenty fifth anniversary. He said, uh, um, I've not got anything on this weekend, I'll come up with you. <laughs> all the way to Aberdeen. Um but it wasn't just that, it was South East Scotland along the west coast as well, you know. He went all over the shop. Um and I think because he He knew how much it meant to people, you know, to be in the company of a Celtic player. It meant a lot to him as a young guy. And interestingly, when his father had the accident that nearly killed him, uh, when Johnny was just, Johnny and his sister were about six, seven years old, um, he was visited in hospital by Bobby Evans, um, the Celtic captain at the time, you know. And that was something that the Doyle family talked about for years. So I think Johnny had a personal appreciation of what it meant for people to be in the company of Celtic players, you know, and he just, he just seemed to love being in company as well. Um,
1: Bobby Evans would have been the, I suppose, the superstar of, of that team.
2: Absolutely. his father's hero by all accounts as well, you know, and um, we think it was through a relation, got in contact with the club. Johnny's dad was in hospital in Glasgow for over a year, and that's when the, the visit was arranged.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't want to give too much away uh, f- from the book, because um you know even early in the book, I was getting um not emotional, but I was saying, god if, you know it was a it was a it was a hard journey to get to um yeah. where he was, and there's like there's there's absolutely brilliant stuff about him playing like the boys playing as kids and teenagers. And the players yeah. that came from View Park, you know, <laughs> incredible. From, and it wasn't just Jimmy Johnson either. So I won't give it. I won't give it all away. But <laughs> I tell you, one some of the players playing with Celtic now struggle to get onto that Ashfield Park. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, absolutely. It's I incredible. Was just,
2: um, it was incredible. One person who, yeah, it really was. I mean, one person who helped me out, and it was just, got an email address for him over in the States, Ian Munro, um, former Hibs manager, Scottish internationalist, played for uh, St Mirren, played for Rangers for one season. So he's from View Park. Um, he's, I think, nearly two years older than a wee guy who lived along the street from him, went to the same school, John Robertson. They used to play football together in front of where their school was, uh, between a set of trees. Trees are still there as so, a... Bus terminus in View Park. Um, and Ian was giving me all these insights into street football. Um, but he's still a big advocate. Ian still coaches over in the United States there. Um, he was tremendous, you know. But again, ordinary fans, um, my pal Frank, who's in the Graves Society, he's from View Park. He played against Johnny. He had some great stories as well, you know. Um, but football was such a big thing and they, there were so many, players of such a good standard in that one small town um, who made it all the way. Um, and that's why this incredible record, you know, three European Cup winners, medals, view few parts claim to, uh, to them, belong to a Celtic assistant manager, and the other one's Jimmy Johnson.
1: It's, it's incredible. And it's funny when you do read books that when, when they go back and they talk about, there's always, you know, there's always someone from the area that made it too. Because I, I remember... Um, doing it doing a night with Ray Houghton, the the Liverpool yep. and, and Irish International, uh, Glasgow boy. And he was saying that That's boy? Yeah, the 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 tenements he came out of or the flats came out of the Frank and Eddie Gray came out of them as well. Like, you know. So you yeah. know not 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 there um, there's so much talent in, in, in Glasgow, like throughout Glasgow. So and every time you, you speak to a player, they will they will name somebody, may not play for Celtic, but they will name someone that they that came from the area or they played along with. So long tradition. And I suppose it is football and, and boxing. I suppose they're a way of people getting out of, um, I, you know, getting out of our area. And, and, you know, it's a way out if you've got the talent to, yeah, a, to a better absolutely. life. Because, you know, we all know that um, areas we come from, that if you can get a break in music or football, if you don't have an education, it's a great way to get out of, Get out of, you know get just your, get yourself up the ladder.
2: Yeah, Ian Monroe said to me, View Park is famous for two things: football and murder. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'd like to.
1: I'd like, think to it's um, that bad now. I'd like to say sorry on behalf of Paul if anyone from View Park is offended, listening or watching, um, <laughs> and do go down and look at the Jimmy Johnson statue. as I said, I don't want to give loads away in the book, but can you just tell us something about um, Johnny, the the fan?
2: Yeah, um, it's one of the things I wanted to to find out was it's often said, you know, about footballers, especially Celtic players, you know, being big fans. I think it's a bit harder nowadays because a lot of your modern footballers um, will have been playing football. Weekends regularly from age five or six, you know. So actually getting to games is quite difficult, even if you're a football fanatic. Um, so that's often the claim, you know, huge Celtic fan and what have you. So I just wanted to just see how true that was in Johnny's case, you know. And, um, there's, there's so much evidence, you know, from an early age. Um, cause he, he talked in interviews about how his first Celtic Rangers game, he went to Ibrox. Now, View Park, I think is, um, six miles away from Celtic Park you know, so it's out the east of Glasgow it's just on the skirts of Glasgow, it's not far um, but Johnny uh, aged about I think this is 63 thereabouts, um, aged about 8 years old and a group of half a dozen pals made their way into Glasgow, over to Ibrox Park uh, went on the Rangers end because the majority of his pals he was with were Rangers fans um, and Watched the game, the first ever um, Celtic Rangers game, and uh, the Rangers end. Um And unfortunately, there was a there was a very serious crush at the game that day. Uh, two Rangers fans lost their lives, and this meant panic back in View Park when Johnny Doyle's wife, sorry, his mum, found out from neighbours that actually Johnny was at the game so he told his mum he was going to see a game at Fur Park that day in Motherwell which she was obviously a lie she found out he lied she found out that he wasn't back so as you can imagine there was all sorts of things uh, going through her mind and then finally he turned up back with his pals and she barred him. <laughs> she barred him for lying to her. It's like, oh, you know? so on. he loved telling the story yeah that's in about four different interviews. He tells that story. His first ever Celtic Rangers game. Um, so there's a wee hint of tragedy there as well, you know. Um, So that, like from an early age, but before that, you know, his father, um, big Celtic fan from a big family himself. So we did a wee bit of, um, thanks to one of Joanna's friends, she'd already done some family history on the Doyles, you know, so we were able to trace them all the way back to Central Ireland, Um And, Mostly based around initially Bells Hill, Huddingston, and then settled in View Park over the last hundred years or so. Um, and Celtic fans from an early, an early stage as well, unsurprisingly, miners. Um, so Johnny's dad was the third generation of miners, um, in the Lanarkshire area, um, from the Doyle family. Um, so yeah, hardcore Celtic fans, um, regular attenders at the game as well. And so, Johnny's dad. So even after they had the accident, Johnny's dad broke his back in a accident down the mines. so that's why he was in the hospital for a year. He was then they were unable to get him back home to move to a new house and in View Park uh, to be able to get him out ground floor flat. Um But he actually was able to get a, an Inva car one of the old mobility cars um, which he was able to use. So that gave them a bit of freedom. He was only meant to be in it himself but both Johnny and Anne would regularly get taken for runs in this wee car. And so one time when his dad took him to a Celtic Rangers game at Celtic Park in the wee car, But he got knocked back to, <laughs> there wasn't no any spaces left for more disability cars so they didn't get in that day you know. Um, Anne Marie, his sister, has a tremendous memory of um, when his father's in the wheelchair and he's encouraging Johnny to become two footed, right? Because he's heavily relying on his right foot. Um, and he would, so he would stand and he would hold his right foot, his dad from the wheelchair, and encourage him to practice the ball with his left foot, you know? And um, there were football, absolutely football daft and Celtic daft. So he had that instilled from him at an early age was one interview he did with Jerry McNee. Jerry McNee is quite an important figure in Johnny's story because they had a connection from fairly early on. It worked, worked well for both of them. Um, Jerry McNee would promote the fact that Johnny was unhappy at air, uh, unhappy with the, the way that the air board were treating him, and trying to help him get a move either out or preferably to Celtic. So Jerry McNee was regularly writing about that. In return, Johnny Doyle gave him a promise that if anything came, off he would be the first to know so that's how he ended up um, when finally after long drawn out negotiations Celtic met here United's asking price uh, late on a Sunday night Johnny got up 5 o'clock in the morning, went to local phone box he was living in the council flat in View Park at the time, um, phoned Jenny McNee at his house to tell him I'm signing for Celtic to Glasgow airport in 3 hours so McNey got the story before anyone else um, and after that, generally he would regularly do profiles on Johnny, and even after his death, he did a couple of interviews with Johnny's Johnny's widow as well. Um, but one of the things that Johnny talked about often in those interviews is the fact that his prized possession was this wee Celtic shield that he'd inherited from his father, just to support a supporter shield, you know, just like the club crest. Um, but he he had it all of his days as well. So again, the Celtic connection was there right from the start. Um, after that first trip to Igrox, uh, his mum would only let him go to football games in the company of his aunt and uncle. So that's what he did um, with his aunt and uncle. He took him on the bus. Uh, this is before the Bark CSC started. Um, they took him on another supporters bus and he travelled all over Scotland watching the Lisbon Lines. as it turned out. Um, and Anne-Marie was also able to tell me about how they spent the 25th of May 1967 in their pal's house, about six or seven of them, uh, watching the game live from Lisbon as well. Johnny went outside afterwards, practising football, <laughs> trying to emulate his heroes in the back garden as well. So it was great being able to get all these wee stories and then just trying to fit them all in together, you know, tracing these, these histories as a Celtic fan.
1: Paul, is, is this the false book on Johnny Doyle?
2: Yeah. Yep, yeah, no books about him before it's credible,
1: this. Incredible, isn't it? That, it's took so long.
2: I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, he was at Celtic for six years. Um, like, he's more, probably more of a cult figure, you know? Yeah. Um, he probably never hit the heights as a Celtic player that he did when he was here at United because that's where he got his international card and um, he was generally regarded as one of the, the fastest and best wingers in Scottish football, probably 73, 74, 75, you know, and he was in the Scotland under 23 squads, um, and he got the one, the one international cup against Romania, um, but he probably didn't hit those heights, and like I said, his time at Celtic was an absolute roller coaster, it's, it's incredible thinking back, you know, um, when he joins, he's dead, he gets injured, uh, Celtic will lose the league title to Rangers, even though they were they were leading at that point. Um, Celtic do the double, then they have the worst season in a couple of decades. Oh, sorry, that, I just I just was...
1: lost you there when you were talking. To just a bit is roller coaster. Oh, can you can you just give us a bit of that again?
2: Yeah, no problem. Um, so it was incredible up and down story because um, in his, from his debut. Um, Starts well, gets badly injured, puts him out of action for about a month, and in that time, Celtic falter. They were leading the league against Rangers. Falter, Rangers take over, win the league by the time Johnny comes back into the team. The next season, uh, Celtic win the League and Cup double. The next season, Celtic are flirting with relegation, seventh, eighth, ninth position in the league, lose twice to Clyde Bank. Jock's team effectively resigns at the end of that season. Billy McNeil comes in win the league at the end of the season. You know, so he's up and he's down and he's up. Um, gets the challenge from David Proven. David Proven's the big new signing. Takes his place on the, the right wing. And then Johnny's got to work really hard to get back into Billy McNeil's plans after that. And he does that by reinventing himself as... A left winger, um, but moving across to front three as well. So he gives Billy McNeil other options. Um, due in part to the fact that his father had insisted that he, he learned to play with both his right foot and his left foot all those years earlier, and that gives his new that gives his, his life at Celtic uh, a new uh, a new lifeline effectively in his Celtic career. Because from then he's a regular in the first and again. And then we have these tremendous moments against Real Madrid, and um, his amazing performance at Love Street in the Cup against uh, St. Mirren, um, the Cup final, uh, Hamden, the, the Riot final, and of course the 4-2 game, and amongst all that as well. Unbelievable uh, sequence of events, you know. Um, and he was at the heart of all.
1: Certainly a rollercoaster ride. You mentioned there his family. Um, where was his family originally from in Ireland?
2: I think it's Roscommon. Um, certainly somewhere quite central in Ireland. Um, that's the Doyle side of it. But his mother's family were also uh, Irish as well, going back four generations, you know. Um, but I think it was Ross Corman. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's not much talk of, of Johnny talking about his Irish roots, but presumably it was something that he was aware of, you know. Um, it's probably something that's really only become, um, of interest to a lot of people in the last 20, 30 years. Um, in terms of trying to find out, okay, so where did the family come from originally, you know, if they don't have, um, relatives who still come from there as well. Um, but as a large family of Doyles in the View Park area, you know, so, um, they wouldn't necessarily have had to have looked much further than that. Um, but again, no doubt about it, big Irish Catholic family, um, been in Lanarkshire by that point, by the point he was born, been in Lanarkshire for nearly a hundred years, so obviously well settled in Scotland, you know.
1: Yeah, and another big uh, Celtic man who was lucky enough to, to wear the jersey on many occasions and uh, sta- still stands in the terraces at 81 years of age and his birthday this week so we'll have to wish a big happy birthday to the original holy goalie, John Fallon. But John John has just got his Irish passport. He got it when he was eight years of age and he was on to me straight away and he, he had a lot of work to try and get it sorted. And... Uh, there's, there's good friends in Ballymina and they helped out, they came down to Dublin and they went through records and they found out um, you know, where John's ancestors were from And I think it was his, his grandfather but there was a problem with a few bits and pieces and eventually he got it done and he a, he's such a happy man now to be an Irish passport holder and he's boasting about he'll be boasting about it outside the pool's office this week no doubt
2: Quite right, dude. Quite right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it,
1: it, it's it's a lovely story with John, you know. And, and again, like 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 the other Johnny Johnny Doyle, he you know both, you know would, would would give everything for to for the jersey. But it doesn't matter if they're playing or standing on the terraces or. And John's another one that comes from that generation of attendant functions and still attending functions. He was over here um, in yeah. Belfast and Ballymena, and he he visited everybody, and he he had the medal with him. And Tommy Stevenson was with him with the European Cup, and there was children from, you know, young children, sure. and and then you had the likes of Duff and all the squad, all the older boys out with him. So it was it was yeah. great to see after you know so long in lockdown, and you know I think there's exactly. I think there's like uh, a positive vibe now around the club again because, uh, oh, right? Ange Ange Postacoglu has um, certainly. Certainly put a marker down, an early marker down after the disappointment of the Champions League and losing the first home game and I think Kyogo could become another cult hero just like Johnny, what a, what a player he seems to be but yeah. it's early days yet. Yeah, I think last weekend he got a welcome to Scottish football by being stamped on and getting an elbow <laughs> in the face and uh, the right Royal Reverend Beaton couldn't see anything you know <laughs> three blind mice He's again at but anyway, listen back to back to um <laughs> back to the book, um, it's it's a great story. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm really enjoying it. But like, you've you've gone through there, you know. Just just a brief outline of it, and I think if any Shetland fan gets the chance to get their hands on it, they they really will enjoy it. Um, but when am I going to get on the um walking tour?
2: <laughs> yeah the famous start- tour. yes indeed we're looking to restart it now it's certainly possible um at the moment um i'm involved in another kind of walking tour though where um i'm not doing the walk this time but the grave society is uh is organizing as it did 10 years ago um a walk from celtic park to Cardin den in Fife because next month it's the 90th anniversary of the passing of johnny thompson um, so it's it's a recreation of something that happened back in 1931 there was a large number of Celtic fans who wanted to attend the funeral um, but didn't have the money um, unemployment was particularly high at the time in the late 20s, early 30s so hundreds of Celtic fans decided just to walk from the west of Scotland through to Fife, and they camped in the uh, the hills above um, Carden Dent Um, so that they could be there so that was the inspiration for us 10 years ago to organise a walk Um, and we had about 30 30 odd walkers 10 years ago Um, so for the 19th anniversary we've we've just organised a similar event as well Um, so that's happening in 3 weeks time so that's taking up a a fair bit of time at the moment just getting everything finalised for that Andrew you know Um, but we're still getting people this week um, another 5 I think have signed up for it Um, so um, Leaving Celtic Park early on the Friday morning, um, walking um, to uh, Falkirk that first day, then on to Dunfermline the next day, and then through to Carden Den on the, the Sunday. And Sunday happens to be the 90th anniversary itself of Johnny's death. So the Memorial Committee in Carden Den, uh, have their annual gravesite uh, commemoration, uh, which we're going to be there um, in time to take part with as well. And it looks as though all the restrictions are lifted for that. Cause unfortunately, last year it was only a handful of people who could attend. Support clubs could only send single delegates um, as well. So it's great that um, for this really important commemoration, um, that everything's pretty much back to normal, you know. And um, it's uh, it's a, another incredible thing to be involved with. So um, we're still promoting that at the moment, and as I said, still putting the, the final bits of organisation together for it as well. well Once that's that- out of the way. And I think there's another podcast
1: episode in the Johnny Thompson story.
2: Indeed, indeed, we've got Eddie and Jeanette, and possibly the wee Dog walking, um, walking this year as well with us. You know, and I think the numbers are currently up about thirty-five. Um, which is tremendous. Um, so it's, it's a, big undertaking, you know, and we've highlighted the fact that people really need to get a lot of preparation in, um, because it's a lot of walking probably about 54 miles all in uh, over the three days. But you get this fantastic, um, commemoration of an absolute legendary Celtic figure at the end of it in the village where he grew up. Um, and that's always, um, a great thing to be at, you know. Usually there's a football tournament, um, for the uh, kids at Cardin Den, but there wasn't enough time to organise that by the time the restrictions were lifted. So it's just the site commemoration uh, this year and the walk.
1: Oh, it would be 54 miles in total, is it?
2: Yeah, 54 miles, yes. Yeah, oh, over, over three um, days. Over
1: three days. Oh
2: my God, I'd,
1: I'm getting tired thinking about it.
2: That's why I'm not doing it this
1: time. I'm at, only if I'm not over, I do it myself. <laughs> we'll hold you to that in your next visit. I, listen, um, just back to the book. Who uh, you mentioned uh You know, that you got great access from the family. Who else contributed to the book?
2: Um, I, again, through the family, I was able to get contact details. People that have always stayed in touch with them. You know, people who were always close to their dad and um, guys like Mick Conroy, his uh, Celtic colleague. Um, Mick was tremendous because. Um, I said to him all, oh, you know, basically, what was your favourite memories, you know, and I had a couple of questions for him. Uh, Mike came back with five pages of um, uh, general stuff about Johnny, but his own recollections of his very first day when he turned up at Celtic Park on his own. when <laughs> he met Johnny Doyle for the first time in the reserve training room. Um, in the reserve dressing room, um, because that would be a daily occurrence for Johnny Doyle to go into the reserve room and noise everybody of them up, and demand uh, that the Rangers fans who were in the Celtic reserve squad sing Celtic songs. He <laughs> would query whether the, the Catholic players in the reserve squad had been at Mass on the Sunday as well. <laughs> and, um, ah, I'm about to lose my phone, Andrew and power. I'm going to have to go and charge it. Go ahead, go on. Pause. yeah. Unbelievable, mate. And you won't be surprised to learn that the fucking cord's finished. <laughs> oh, fuck Jesus sake. Christ, right? Hold on. Right, I'm going to on a Johnny Doyle book for good measure. How's that? That's perfect, yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah, brilliant. So, where was I again? Sorry, I forgot what I was saying. Mike Conroy. Mick Conroy, oh, tremendous. So, Mick gave me this long written piece about that first day. And it's just, so I just put it in the book as it was, you know, because I thought people are going to be fascinated by this. Um, you know, a guy just turned up, Mike's dad played for Celtic as well, you know, but he turns up Celtic Park on his own. First person he meets nearly mocking, you know, nearly directs him towards the reserve changing room. A couple of boys there he doesn't even know, you know, so he's just getting ready. Door burst open, in comes Johnny Doyle. And he says from that, and the first thing he say to him, what team do you support? So you can imagine he was delighted when he told him, actually, my dad was a Celtic player back in the 50s, you know. Um, Mick's got very good Celtic credentials. So Mick was brilliant. um, And as other people, Ian Munro was tremendous. I was lucky because there was a lot of information already out there. So, for instance, George McCluskey. Now, George... George comes from um, Village just next to View Park, knows the Doyle family, the wider family as well, has done for most of his life. Um But I didn't, I could have interviewed George, but I didn't need to, because I had about five pages of um, quotes from him about Johnny already, from his book. Uh, he's done regular interviews about Johnny as well, um, and loads of other things, you know, that I was able to put together from documentaries and stuff. Um So, got loads of information that way also, Um, but through the family, uh, made contact with Jim from Charlie and the Boys, got the whole story behind how he wrote the song Johnny Doyle because he was a personal friend of Johnny's, and he, he met him just a couple of months. Last time he saw him just a couple of months before he died. Um, that was fascinating. Uh, and also, Hugh, Rangers fan from Kilmarnock. Um, who was a really good friend of Johnny's and who Johnny would regularly take um, with them to Celtic supporter functions Um, and he would get few tickets uh, for the big games uh, obviously involving Rangers so the 4-2 game uh, Hugh's there in the main stand. What Johnny gets sent off oh, before it, he remembers when he was warming up. Johnny was giving the Vicky's to the Rangers fans along the front of the main stand as well. Um, Hugh also went with Johnny. Um, they drove up to the Hamden riot cup final together. Hugh thinks Johnny's partly responsible for causing the riot because his behaviour at the final whistle, even though he wasn't on the field to play, but he he was on it pretty quickly. Um, so. Brilliant, you know, Anne-Marie, Johnny's sister, fantastic, um, source of information for the stories from the childhood, some of the family history as well. Um, but yeah, um, again, you know yourself, Joanna particularly has done so much in the last 15, 20 years, and um, to keep her father's legend alive. You know, Joanna's well known amongst the support. Um, and so Jana had all these contact details herself. So Alessandro, over in Italy, the guy who started the Italian Stelts Supporters Club, he is a massive Johnny Doyle aficionado. Um, so again, I got reams of information about how that started for Alessandro, how he remembers seeing Johnny uh, on the telly, uh, the game against uh, sorry, uh, the game against Real Madrid, uh, which was broadcast highlights were broadcast in Italy. Um, his dad was an Inter Milan fan. Um, he couldn't believe when he started telling them about this the Glasgow team that beat them the European Cup. Nobody was expecting it back in '67. Um, and Alessandro uh, regularly comes over with other Italian fans um, for Johnny's commemorations. You know, he was over for the 30th five years after that as well. had a night in the Brazen Head about three years ago for Johnny. Um, so again, through uh, Joanna and the family, it was really quite straightforward to make contact. Um, with people um, who had stories to tell about Johnny.
1: Fascinating. And, and when we had George McCluskey on the podcast and when I've done a couple of live shows with George, yeah, Johnny Doyle certainly gets mentioned. And um, that's another podcast, if anyone's listening, check out George's podcast because you get an insight into Johnny Doyle in that one and also the the cup final and the Rangers sending off on that. So definitely worth um, yeah. checking Enjoy. out George's one on that. Now listen, where can we get the book? And I'll just
2: hold it up again. So there you go, people. Celtic Daft. Books available from the Shamrock website, shamrock.net. It's also available from Calc Books as well.
1: The finest bookshop in the East End of Glasgow. It certainly is. <laughs> um, and and I, I hope it's going to be... Um, I hope we we'll get you in. We're now talking uh, about getting Celtic AM back on the, on the road again. Uh, we've had a... Brilliant. We've had a number of requests. Uh, we could be moving venue, but nothing is uh, nothing is concrete yet. Yeah? But we hope to get back in September. And who knows, maybe we'll do a Johnny Doyle special and a book signing. Uh-huh. I mean, m- maybe Joanna, <laughs> who does the forward, and the book, might come in and maybe some fans who have stories. And I'm sure we'll be able to grab a player that played with Johnny as well, because we done one for uh, about Jimmy Johnson. Oh, yeah. The evening before a Rangers match, and it was—it's one of the most memorable, um, I suppose, Saturday AMs we did because it was just to get, I suppose, a different view. You know, on on that one we done on Jimmy, we had Agnes in who was given the wife's view. We had George McCluskey in who was given the the players' view, and we had the boys (laughs) in the Jimmy Johnson Academy who were given the legacy, um, you know, of the team that's there now. and and we also had a few. uh, a few fans with plenty of stories, and it's funny when it finished, when we when we were wrapped up. The amount of, the amount of stories that was going around the pub after that, yeah. in, in pocket conversations, was brilliant. So hopefully we can get do something like that for Johnny and remember Johnny Doyle.
2: Definitely, Paul. Um, I'm sure the family would
1: love it well. So. I'll be, and you know, like we need to keep, especially for younger people, because uh, I never saw Johnny play, and I'm 50, and there's a generation, yeah, after generation after me who. Would feel the same way as Johnny did at Basaltic. So it would be great to um it would be great to pay tribute to him. And um, Paul, listen, thanks very much for coming on and sharing some of Johnny's story. As I said, I'm almost finished the book <laughs> and there's a lot there's a lot more in there for um people yeah. to enjoy. Um I'm looking forward to getting on that walking tour with you. I hope we get it done before uh, cool. because uh, it's been a long COVID and it was a long I was due to do it before COVID, so I think we were looking forward to doing it in the April, and uh, that didn't happen. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's right.
1: So I can say, Paul, is is thanks very much. And, folks, please hit the subscribe and notification button so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you're hearing and you like what you heard on this podcast, please hit the like button. Please visit our website, CelticFancy.com, where you'll find news, articles, all the podcasts and videos, information on upcoming events, because we are back in the event game. And uh, you can visit our online hey. shop where you can buy fanzines, subscribe, pick up T-shirts and some merchandise. And um, also visit the Shamrock website, which is, Paul, what is it? <laughs> it's uh,
2: the net.
1: And you'll be able to pick up the Johnny Doyle book, the other books, and of course the, the brilliant retro fanzine, the Shamrock, and the, uh, one thing about Paul is when he posts stuff out, uh, you always get a nice little picture of some stickers. He's quality quality stuff uh, I have to up my game now because uh, when I when I, when I got the book and the post I was very impressed with the with the sticker cards and the lovely picture of uh, Tommy Bones. And I actually have the picture. I'm using it as a I'm using it for the pages in the book and that's it folks. Look, you get lovely you can see it, lovely pictures like that. It's a lovely postcard. And Paul put so much time and effort into um what he does, and you know, Paul's not in it for profit. Paul's in it for the love of Celtic. So please support him as well, Um because we do we, we do our best to uh, keep, I suppose, keep things ticking over in the in the fans' world and books. That's and cool. the, we're lucky, in, we're lucky in the independent Celtic media that we've so saw, uh, so saw many old codgers around now doing doing the, keeping up with these young fellas <laughs> and and young girls. <laughs> so folks uh, as I said Thank thanks for watching and listening um, and thanks again to Nave Parik Salic Supporters Club in Dublin for sponsoring the podcast and for you for all watching and listening keep the faith and tune in again